Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Men for the Win is sponsored by The Grand Group with Edina Realty. Are you looking to purchase a new home in the Twin Cities area? Or perhaps you're trying to sell your current home? Whether you're upsizing or downsizing, The Grand Group with Edina Realty will meet all of your housing needs. Contact The Grand Group by emailing thegrandgroup at edinarealty.com or call them by phone at 612-817-8751. The Grand Group with Edina Realty, three-time Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine Super Agent Award winners. On this episode, David and Dan discuss the Twins' four-game series against the Seattle Mariners. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win. My name is David Kupis. With me, as always, is Dan Thompson. The Twins split their opening four-game series against the Seattle Mariners, taking two wins. Dan, I gotta ask, are you more optimistic than you were preseason? Are you more pessimistic, or are you about the same? That's a great question. I'm more optimistic after this because of the pitching. I, we'll, yeah. I mean, we'll get into a lot of this, but I thought, you know, it's cold, first of all, in Minnesota at this time of year. Um, and so the bats aren't always going to be there, I think, in early April. So the fact that the pitching kept them in the games here and then obviously, you know, won them at least game four, I'm pretty good. How, how do you feel? Yeah, I think I'm actually more optimistic, and I was the most optimistic out of all of us heading <laughs> into the season. So I think I'm a little bit more optimistic. But again, hitting always takes longer to catch up to pitching at the beginning of the season. Now, that's funny to say because of what happened with in the Twins game three, which we'll talk about, but I do still think that our pitchers maybe appeared to be better than they will show themselves to be the rest of the season. And I think too, and this was pointed out in the radio broadcast, which is all I get when the Mariners are playing the Twins out here, is that the Mariners are not a great hitting team. At least they weren't last year. And so you, you got to wonder what's going to be different when they face the Dodgers uh, in this quick two-game series to target field that comes up next. Yeah, it's just a disappointing time for that series. We'll talk about that later, but I hate when you have a team that comes to target field that doesn't come often and you get a Tuesday and a Wednesday? Are you kidding me? I know. And I, as a child, David, I don't know if you know this about me, but I, I was a bit of a sports nerd and I tried. No. For, no, I know. No. So there Dan was a stretch Thompson? of time when I would put together schedules for various sports. So the NFL was, would, was the easiest and I could put together a pretty workable NFL schedule and then I would simulate it with dice rolls. We're not going to dwell on that. And then um, and then I tried had a lot of friends, one. ladies I, and gentlemen. A lot of friends. And then, but baseball is really hard, right? Because you got all those teams, all those games. So I, I do have some sympathy for the baseball schedule makers. First of all, the baseball schedule makers, they get a list from each team what, what days they can't do it. And they put it all on a spreadsheet and have Excel run a program okay. for them. There's a, there's a great 30 for 30 about this, David. Yes. And I'm not no, a guy who pushes saying, 30 though. for 30s. No, but it, it, used to be, it used to be just this couple yes. that I aspired to be yeah. did you share that with me originally like and this is what uh, yeah, we talked about it for sure i don't remember if you oh, shared okay. it with me or i shared it with you be- but. because because i was thinking you know they're kind of old and i'm i'm pretty young you know like maybe there could be a transition here um <laughs> but they never asked me they went automated instead well luckily this is going to get better in the next couple of years when everybody plays everybody yes. and we get rid of this interleague wall that has been constructed and gradually being taken down. So I love it. I'm, I'm excited for this, but we haven't even, we can't get to the Dodgers yet, David. We got a whole no. series here to talk about. In the entire series, Dan, with that, let's go ahead and jump into our series recap. Series recap. 
So game one, Twins lose this one two to one. I was in person for this one. I love going to the home opener. I like the feel. I like the sounds. I like the excitement. The, you just the don't like the other people, I yeah, think. The, you know, opener, I would right? love the home opener if there were nobody else in the stands. <laughs> just, I think I'd love it that you much more. There. It was just me. But it was me and my wife. My parents came and watched the kiddo, which was great. We had a great meal at the Red Cow. And then we headed down to the stadium. And it just felt, Dan, it just felt like the Twins were going to pull this one out. And they certainly had the opportunity opportunity to do so but they could not get it done we had our two big boys we had buxton we had correa we had them at the plate with runners in scoring position and they couldn't get it done i was starting to get a little concerned about all the advertising dollars that the twins were putting into this carlos correa and byron buxton train and here they are they're stars and they can't get it done yeah i mean that was a a disappointing way (laughs) to begin the series Uh, the twins lose it it two to one they've got lots of opportunities the mariners score right away the the disappointing part in some sense is to spoil a a good outing from from Joe Ryan, or can we call it a decent outing and then a really good bullpen performance? That's a very fair assessment because it's the first outing for Ryan really this season, so you knew he wasn't going to have a very like long leash as far as his pitch count was concerned. So he did real really well, I think. Two earned runs and four innings pitched halfway through the season. Terrible line, right? Like I would I would right, hate that right. line. But first start of the season, I'm okay with it. I, I do struggle with the four walks that Joe Ryan had and just excusing those as an early season hiccup. I don't yeah. know. Isn't that a little concerning? I think there's a little bit of wiggle room there i mean he's starting opening day and he's really technically a rookie he's not fully stretched out he's not to mid-season form yet i think we can give him a little bit of grace here especially because all the pitchers need to do this season is all they needed to do last season dan keep the twins in the ball game and joe ryan did that they get the one run really from gino urshela the home run which lovely um but again you leave six guys on you go over four with runners in scoring position and especially like you said with buxton and correa struggling well it was interesting i think we'll talk about this a bit later but a Guy's not starting. Pretty, um, mm-hmm. I'm going to say bizarre. Why is that guy not in the lineup, Dan Thompson? This is the rotation system that, that Rocco's <laughs> going to use to get everybody exactly the same number of at-bats over the course of the season. So sort of the big moment in this game, folks, if you didn't watch it, there's a runner on bottom of the ninth. Gary Sanchez comes up to the plate and he gets a hold of a ball, Dan. And I'm thinking there's two outs. This would be an epic story to tell about a home opener that I attended and the ball goes back and the Mariners left fielder goes back and he's got it. He's got it measured Dan, but to me it looks like he's going to have to jump to keep this ball from leaving the ballpark and the wind just knocks it down and he catches it without even having to jump leaned up against the wall. My heart just sank Dan. you can just the air, the air Dan left that stadium such as the Metrodome air left the stadium. I was thinking that might be the metaphor you used. I love that metaphor under the The, pressure of the snow. Yes. Do you remember having to hang on to your hat? Like as you exited the Metrodome, I love that feeling. Oh, who didn't Um, Dan? Let's talk about game two. This felt like an Alexander Colome game. Didn't it David? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, sounds right. Like, are you sure he wasn't out there? He he wasn't a late signing the Twins brought in uh, just to fill a roster space? Because the the Twins do lose this one again, but in agonizing fashion, they blow a lead. It's 4-3 Mariners here, two runs in the ninth. To be honest, what I was most frustrated about is I knew, Dan, I knew as soon as Duffy gave up those hits, all you were going to see on Twitter and anywhere you could read about the Twins was everybody saying, oh, we shouldn't have traded Rodgers. We shouldn't have traded Rodgers. And I think that's a bad take the guy was on the last year of a contract you got a starter in return young guy with years of team control left and a good bullpen arm i think you take that deal every time dan right i think you do and i think sometimes we forget that teams do blow 
save opportunities and it's yes and they, and they hurt every time every time that happens to the twins it's probably going to happen to the other team too and so and in, in some sense if you're a mariners fan you know this game is a great disappointment in the eighth inning right because byron buxton hits that two-run home run to shift the lead and if you're a mariners fan you're like oh what disappointment so i think i think people got to see it both ways and they do have to remember what you what you're pointing out because i think it was a good deal for the twins well and it should be pointed out as well that if rogers was here the idea that duffy didn't get the eighth and do the same thing is mm-hmm. is crazy that's that's certainly what would have happened we should just not to go back to game one we'll talk about this a little bit more but duran in game one being able to see his mlb debut i will always remember that dan when he let two guys on and then he struck out the side it's pretty pretty awesome he had a dang good series all things considered aside aside from you know the trouble he got himself into in game one so anyway let's keep moving here dan game three this one uh much better much better the twins offense came alive 10-4 twins victory and they got up early dan so they had I love I love the box score here. Five in the first, one in the second, one in the third, one in the fourth, one in the sixth, one in the seventh. The Mariners sort of mounted a, a slight comeback here, four runs in the third. But after that, Dan, their their bats went quiet. This was a fun one to watch. Well, and Buxton hit the two home runs in his first two at bats, so there was a string where he had three straight at bats with home <laughs> runs, and they were bombs. And well, I should say the first one was a bomb, and the next two got out within a couple snaps. I mean, that yes. was so fast, almost to, almost to the same spot. Like I was watching the replay, and it. It literally looked like this, like I, I maybe I clicked on the wrong yes. link. Like, exactly. was it the same yes. play? So many home runs, Dan. Everybody got a home run, it felt like. Well, and it was because at this point in the season, through this game, the Twins had gotten all of their runs by home run. Yes. And I don't love that. Um, it was nice to see them actually, you know, rally and put together a couple hits in game four. But Gary Sanchez's grand slam, just nice to see a former Yankee doing some damage at Target Field for the Twins and not against them. I don't like how comfortable they still seem at Target Field, Dan, even though they're in Twins uniforms. I guess I should I should be happy about that. But it just seems like they came in like, oh, yeah, 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 I can hit here. Well, and we should point out, too, with the pitchers, Bailey overpitched. He got through five innings. Um, maybe we're going to start calling him inning-eating Bailey Ober. Doesn't really <laughs> quite roll off the tongue. Uh, he just pitches five innings, four runs, two walks, four strikeouts, um, all that damage being done there in the third. But other than that inning, he looked pretty good. Danny Coulomb comes in, and then Alcala uh, Pagan, the first time we saw Pagan, and then Romero finishes out. But again, at this point, it's just, again, don't do anything stupid if you're the bullpen, right? Like, like don't give up any big rallies. Let a couple guys on base if you have to, but my goodness, just get the job done. That, that was maybe one of the highlights of the series for me, was just how well the bullpen played aside from Duffy's ninth inning in game two. I mean, the yeah. bullpen really did its job. So there's not much else to say about this game. I feel like we should talk more about it because the Twins offense was so prolific. It felt like sort of a circa 2019 Twins win. I wonder if that's any foreshadowing here uh, for what they did to the ball this year, Dan. <laughs> you think they may, you think baseball is uh, is pulling a fast one on us? Now you're the conspiracy theorist here? I, I'm still wearing my tinfoil hat over here, Dan, I think. Well, I'm just waiting for them to move second base because, again, there were moments in this series where I thought, you know, I think that would matter just a little bit. Uh, okay, well, let's let's move forward here, Dan. Game four, another fun one. Twins win this one 4-0. Uh, not, not as powerful as far as the offensive com- performance in game three is concerned. But this time, Dan, Dylan Bundy, staff ace Dan Thompson. What do you know about that? I don't know a lot about Dylan Bundy, again, other than he's facing the Mariners um, on a cold day. But five innings, one hit, one walk, two strikeouts. That's something that we'll take. 
Well, and it, I kind of thought we had talked about maybe they were going to combine starters and like sort of split the outings. But the way that Rocco has decided to manage is we're just not going to use the same starter in a row for like nine games in a row. Well, is what I know because Archer is going to go. Paddock's going to pitch in the next series. So they're are they doing the six man rotation I, here? I don't know how many guys I'm starting to lose track. Dan, I think he was going to call Jacks up too just to keep the streak going. You know, if they're going to expand the rosters, though, why not? Right? Why not yeah. use that as on a starter? Let's stretch guys out gradually. Can you imagine? Like, it's just the first 12 <laughs> games of the season and the Twins have yet to repeat a start. I'm sure if anybody can do it, it's going to be Rocco Baldelli. Other things here in game four that stood out, uh, Caleb Thielbar looked good. Buxton carried the team with, you know, gosh, how good is he, David? I, he's very, very good. I don't want to talk too much about Buxton because I'm sure he's going to make an appearance later in this episode, at least a couple of times, Dan. But just really a, a big confidence booster. It was nice to see Duffy get in and, and, and close out a clean inning. Well, clean meaning no earned runs, but he still gave up a hit. And then Smith came in and Duran. And Smith, for the record, he gave up a walk, but like the air from Kirilov, we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but my goodness, Dan. Well, and there was another moment in this game that, again, I could only hear it on the radio, but Miguel Sano being sent. Oh, my goodness. Hit. Here's the deal. Sano's, I, I don't know what else to tell you other than it was a bad, it was a bad call by Watkins, the third base coach. He sends Sano. And here's the thing, Dan. They have a great camera angle that shows the ball coming in from left field and it shows the cutoff man catching it. And you're watching Watkins, and all you can think is, what are you possibly thinking? <laughs> like, it's not close. Anybody, people who you barely explain the rules of baseball to, you say, hey, here's the deal. If, if somebody tags him with the ball before he touches home plate, he's out. Anybody in the world would be like, well, why can he stop? Is that, a, is that against the <laughs> rules? Can he, not, can he not stop at that bit? It was a bad, bad call from the third base coach, Dan. And there was another... Another instance where I'm not I'm not sure about this one, okay? I don't know if it's on the third base coach or not. Kirilov is on third. You got runners on second and third. Second and third, Dan. Second and third. Not first and third. Not first and second. Second and third. No outs. Correa's at bat. The infield is in, Dan. I know how you love infield. Oh, in. I love the infield in Infield so much. is in. Correa hits a... It, it's not that slow. It's fast enough that it gets to the shortstop in a decent amount of time. And Kirilov throw, goes home. What are you doing? I don't, I honestly, I can't fathom why you would go. And I can't imagine the third base coach was like, yeah, yeah, take off, take off. It's like the infield is playing in and it was hit to the shortstop. What are you doing? I Baseball is really mad. complicated, David. It's very no. hard to remember some of these things when you're a professional baseball player I or just, something. This, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm with you on that. I, I, I wanted to go back to the Sano one briefly because. Yeah, yeah. So it, the play happens. The inning is over. And then obviously Dan Gladden and Corey Provis got a chance to watch the replay. And, yes. and Dan Gladden's spin was that Watkins must have seen the ball miss the first cutoff man. Did it? <laughs> did he overthrow somebody? Because that was their spin. And that so that Watkins was basically sending him because when you see the ball sail over a cutoff man, you ignore that there might be another cutoff man. Or And, because, and they also pointed out, well, in Sano, you know, he kind of starts to slow down a little bit. <laughs> As he gets to third no, and then ramps no. it up. No, because Sano knows that he's not Buxton. Like, right. Sano isn't like, I'm really going to make this play close at home. No, the catcher was like halfway between <laughs> between home base and third base, <laughs> catching the ball and tagging Sano. It's like, what are you doing? I, maybe, ugh. you know, in, in the days when you could just plow into the catcher, I think maybe that's okay because he got Miguel Sano rumbling down the, I'm the baseline, I'm, right? I am surprised that Gladden... Win on the defensive there well, for Watkins. They must be buddies, man. It's early <laughs> in the season, right? So he's got to... Anyway, anyway. Um, well, we should get into our other segments here, David. First time of the season. Catch them all, Kirby Puckett! 
Puckett's Picks winner. I got to tell you, it wasn't close. It wasn't close, and it wasn't close by by a larger margin than it really should have been, <laughs> seeing as the listeners, or Hoag's picked in the listener's stead, took Buxton, won with 19 points, and uh, Dan had Sano, and I had Correa, and they combined for negative five. Sano scoring negative, not a surprise to me. Not a surprise to me at all. Correa scoring negative, a surprise to me, Dan. Right. Well, so Miguelson, I was just happy that Miguel Sano, I think he only struck out what a, it was only a handful of times in the four games. I, I was pretty <laughs> impressed with Miguel Sano's play, um, except for the fact that he didn't have a hit. So that that hurt my, and my he had scoring. Like, he had like three walks and the rest of his at-bats were basically strikeouts. But but he saw so many pitches in this series, David. He's just getting ready. He's just warming up for that Dodgers series. I'm sure it's going to go really well for him. I'm sorry. I'm being very sarcastic this episode, David. I should be I should be straight or laced. Can you run through the Puckett's Picks rules just so the listeners know how we're scoring things? Yeah, absolutely. Good call. So basically each episode, the listeners will get to choose a player who they think is going to perform well in the following series for the Twins. And then Dan and I also get to pick a player. And then we use these rules to determine the scoring for the players that we've picked. So it's one point per base, one point per RBI, and one point per stolen base. And then it's a negative one point per strikeout, negative one point for grounding into a double play, and negative one point per air in the field. And then we tie rake with most home runs and then least strikeouts. If we need to go to a second tiebreaker, then the loser always picks first for the next series. But the listeners or Hoags, if he's in studio, will always be the first pick off the board. I think last year I was negative a lot, David. So I figure I'm going to, you know, Sano is kind of the boomer bust guy. Hopefully I'll one of these times actually catch him on the boom. And, uh, last season and wasn't even myself. close, Dan. I ran away with it. There were like eight series left, and I was not concerned at all that I was going to yeah, come away I with was, that victory. I was definitely rooting for the listeners at that point. I think I was kind of sandbagging my picks just so uh, to give the listeners a chance. Anyway, let's keep pushing here, Dan. Beast versus Bench. Beast versus Bench. Is losing fun? Is losing fun. So with Beast versus Bench, this is a segment where we pick who we think was kind of the best player for the Twins, the most crucial player. That's the Beast. And then a guy that we, I don't know, how would you describe Bench? Would have been better off just being on the bench? Correct. Um, or underperformed where they should have performed, that sort of thing. Basically, you'll, you'll likely know who the who the bench is, Dan, e- each series, I would think. Is that because you can just look at who I picked for Puckett's picks? It's usually, it's not was... a bad call. Like, if, if they gave you betting lines on who was going to be the, the, <laughs> the bench, I would go with Dan's Puckett's pick almost every week. All right, well, with Beast, I think we're in agreement here. It's got to be Byron Buxton. What I don't even know who had. you, I don't know who he, else you'd choose. You know, he got hit by a pitch in one of the early games. It was game one or game two. And again, I'm listening on the radio, and Corey Provis immediately is saying, Everybody, it's okay. It just grazed his jersey. He's going to be fine. You know, it's just that that reassurance. Because, again, what's, what are worse things to hear than Byron Buxton just got hit by a pitch? Not much. I mean, other than, than Byron jumps or dives for a ball. Like, those are all three <laughs> things that you just do not want to hear when you're listening to a game on the radio, Dan. Or Josh Donaldson's really chugging towards second base, I think. <laughs> <laughs> he's really turning on the burners that's got to be buxton i what about uh what about bench who's on your bench i gotta know go with sano uh, this was bad because he was so poor at the plate he did perform well in the field though he made a couple of tough catches on correa's poor throws for whatever reason i thought he was this platinum glove winner from what i understand dan uh, but he had a couple of bad throws sano saved one of them for him but he still got an error on the second throw however you know, the guy who you have on your bench, Dan, is just as deserving, I think. So I went with Alex Kirilov. He had one hit in the series, and he had a really bad play in the field. 
it was uh, rough. in game four. And so for a guy who we both thought is going to have a breakout season, or at least I, I, I can't speak for you, but I think that he's going to have a breakout season. This was not a great series. I hope that doesn't continue for him because, Dan, there's a lot of guys who would like that left field starting spot. That, that'll pick up here in Rocco's Rewind. Rocco's Rewind. Gilberto Celestino makes the team here as the fourth outfielder in, in kind of what I, I think was a surprise to both of us. Yes. Um, and to be fair, Rooker got traded, but I think I think even Brent Rooker's not making this team before Celestino uh, in that calculation. On right? the fringe. On the fringe, certainly. So what I don't get is why is Celestino not starting any of these games here? Right. If the idea is you want your fourth outfielder to play, right? I mean, like, you got to think if Jake Cave is on this team, he's probably making a start, right? Maybe. It's, it's hard to say. Um, I, I think that you want to get him consistent playing time, but I think it's very difficult to do because you have so much confidence in your other corner outfielders. But I think, too, with, with Kirilov's cold start to the first three games, I think it would merit a change in left field to get Celestino out there to at least get some at-bats. He didn't have a single at-bat in this series. That leads well into my Rocco's Rewind a little bit because Arise not starting in game one. And then what I didn't understand is in game one, Rocco pinch hit Arise for Urshela instead mm-hmm. of for Kirloff because it was Urshela, Sano, Kirloff, right? That's the batting order. So mm-hmm. what I thought was going to happen would be Urshela, Sano. If Sano doesn't get the job done, then Arise is going to pinch for Kirloff because Urshela was the only one who had any offensive success so far that game because he had the home run. So I didn't quite understand that. And then this is the part that really bothered me. So Arise gets on base. So I suppose hindsight 2020, he made the right call pinching for Urshela, right? Mm -hmm. But Arise is on first base. And I turned to my wife as soon as Arise gets on base and I said, okay, and now they're going to pinch run Gordon for Arise. And they don't. But then after Sano pops out, (laughs) foul ball pop up, (laughs) up comes Sanchez. Then they pinch Gordon for a rise. It's like, what, what is happening here? Like, you wanted to wait in at bat just to see? Like, I don't understand what the thought process was there, Dan. Yeah, I think with Sano up, he he's a candidate to hit a double to the gap. I, I don't understand why you wouldn't make that change if you're going to make it. Let's keep moving here, Dan. Minnesota moment. Minnesota moment. I went with Byron Buxton's two-run home run in the eighth inning of game two that gave yeah. the Twins a 3-2 to two lead because then it... <laughs> It was so fitting, of course, that Byron Buxton has a great moment, and then it gets blown in the ninth inning uh, by Tyler Duffy. So Gleeman wrote an article at The Athletic. I don't know if you saw this. Mm -hmm. This was nuts, where he documents each time Buxton has had a big play in a game, the Twins versus the Mariners. And for whatever reason, Byron makes a big play. And then the twins manage to blow a lead or they or they, they lose in some spectacular Minnesota sports fashion. It's amazing. So honestly, that article, one of my favorites so far this season, and it's not close. I giggled so hard as I'm reading through all of these instances where Buxton does something amazing and the rest of the team just deflates again, like the Metrodome Dan Thompson. Well, you know, it's like they think that Byron Buxton can do everything and they sometimes forget, you know, you guys, you, you do have to, there's a little bit more baseball to be played here you got to get three more outs yes um what, what's your moment yeah so i have to go with sanchez grand slam one i think it helped him shake off in game one the opportunity he had and he didn't punch his ticket but this time dan my goodness he got a hold of that ball and i love the sort of very reserved celebration just kind of points at the bench no screaming no nothing just goes about his business but that way dan the way that he celebrated had a sort of yankee energy about it i don't know i don't know exactly how to explain this sanchez stood in that box 
And it's like he knew that he was going to hit a home run. And honestly, Dan, that's how I feel like every Yankee feels in every at-bat at Target Field. They step (laughs) into that box and they're like, yeah, I'm probably going to hit a home run here. Are we going to be talking about the catch me if you can Always staring at this pinstripes. I mean, how many times? Because that's all I'm thinking about is that maybe the twins should should they change the pinstripes? Like, should they have an alternate jersey there just so we can pretend? Um, really cool to see Gary Sanchez do that. And and really, you know, Urshela was was pretty dang good too in this yes. series. They were both they both had some key plays. I am a little concerned about Gary Sanchez playing catcher. He had an overthrow here in Game Four. So more DH, please, for Gary Sanchez. Um, let's go to Mauer's musings. I just don't know how it can get any better. Mauer's musings. So this is a segment. For folks if you're new to the show where we just talk about questions that we have for the twins moving forward so dan why don't you start us off well which of the 15 starters uh, that the twins are going to have is going to be you know kind of the diamond in the rough the guy who's really going to end up being a contributor the twins need some starters to step in and actually play <laughs> and play well here and and maybe it will be one of these guys but again i, I want to see them against somebody better so i guess this Dodgers series with Archer and Paddock playing and Paddock has obviously faced the Dodgers many times in his yes. career. Maybe that's why they traded for him. Don't you normally want a pitcher who hasn't seen the offense of another team before? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Well, we'll see. We'll see what they got from those guys because this was an encouraging start. All things considered um, and, and Mariner bats questions aside uh, to get to see five innings out of Bundy was great. What about you? My question also has to do with the pitching, but the back end, Dan, after we see Duffy's saved opportunity gone, diminished, blown, I believe is the correct terminology. It is, yeah. The question is, is he going to continue to get those save opportunities? Or now that Duran has shown himself to be able to get out major league batters, Dan, and to be honest, anybody throwing over 100 miles an hour, basically every pitch, I mean, how do you not think, yeah, that guy could probably be a closer? I mean, as long as his location is good and he's not walking, guys, I don't mind that guy on the mound, Dan. Isn't that kind of how closing has gone in baseball, where you just have a flamethrower out there? I think of, you know, Chapman, for example, uh, for the various teams he's played for now, the Yankees, the Reds, the the Cubs. Maybe Duran is is the Twins' version of that, and the guy that you saw in his debut. Yeah, that, that was super fun. And again... It was very concerning, and everybody in the stadium could feel it when those first two guys got hits off him. And then when he started to bring the heat and he started to be in the zone, but not right in the middle of the zone like he was to start, right, right, right. Uh, it, it got real exciting in that stadium real fast. Series grades. Series grades time, Dan Thompson. The first series for your Minnesota Twins. What do you got for him? Well, okay, so I'm going to start with a question, as I sometimes like to, David. If these games were flipped... If the Twins won the first two games in the same fashion and then lost this, the last two, would that change your grade? Whew. Is there a recency bias here? Yeah, probably. Uh, I have a B, and I th- I think there's some recency bias there, but I will justify it this way because I feel like that's a little high for a split series at home, but you figure y- you saw every piece, I think, that you wanted out of this Twins team, just not always together, right? You You, you saw the power. You saw Correa and Buxton play well. You saw the bullpen and you saw starting pitching. Like I, I actually really like how all the elements are clearly at least present on this roster. I gave them a C plus because they didn't win the series. I don't think your B is just crazy toe. If we're going to be mm-hmm. honest, I don't think it's crazy talk, but I do think that 
I mean, we're talking a couple of plays, Dan, a couple of different bounces, and the Twins win three of four or even potentially get away with a sweep of a four-game series, which is which is pretty rare in baseball. So That's I exactly what I was thinking, too. Yeah. yeah, but I think you're probably right. My grade probably would have been lower had they lost the last two and won the first two. Maybe Because then we'd great. be talking about a missed opportunity. We'd be talking about the sweep that got away in a, in a different way yes. um, than when a 100%. sweep that was obviously not there <laughs> after yes. the first game. All right, well, let's let's go to our, our newest segment, I suppose this would be, Herbie's Headline. I don't know, Jack. It looked like Herbeck pulled him off the bag. Herbie's Headlines. Yeah, so this is where we talk about something that's not necessarily Twins-related, but just something that's happening in baseball. I think I think it's a good time to check in with our <laughs> Twins twins of, of previous generations. And by previous generations, I mean 2021 Twins who now play for other teams, Dan. <laughs> We have Josh Donaldson getting a walk-off winner in his Yankee debut, so that has to feel great, right, Dan? Are you rooting for Josh Donaldson no, this season? No, I didn't not like rooting all. for okay. him when he all was right. with the Twins, Dan. I didn't like rooting for him when he was with the Twins. I'm certainly not going to root for him when he's with the Yankees. My so there's goodness. no, there's no there's, hangover there. It would be harder for me to find a player who you could put on the Yankees who I could cheer less for than Josh Ooh. Donaldson. Ooh, I have one. Okay. Chuck Knobloch. Ooh, that's fair. See, you got to remember, go. though, Dan, there is a little bit of an age discrepancy between <laughs> you and I. So, yes, my dad took me to a Twins game, and he got company tickets. And so we got to go talk to the players after the game, and we could ask for autographs. And Chuck Knobloch walked right by. I think I was like six at the time. And I said, <laughs> oh, Chuck Knobloch, brutal. more like Chuck Snobloch. And my dad had to, like, shush me. That's a good one, though. He was easy to say goodbye to in some sense, right? Even though it hurt at the time. Um yes. And the other the other player that we need to talk about is Mitch Garver, um, yes. who had an illegal slide that cost the Rangers the, the game. Yeah, so it's extra innings here. Uh, Rangers against the Rockies, and there's runners on, and basically the Rangers are about to tie the game, potentially take the lead. And Mitch Garver is running to second base, looking like it's going to be a double play. But Garver slides hard into second base, and he disrupts the throw from the second baseman, causes an errant throw, and causes an extra run to score for Texas. However, the call gets overturned, and they say that Garver's slide was illegal because he could not reach the base from the position that he slid from. So basically, he slid with the exact purpose to interrupt the throw from the second baseman, which is a no-no now in this in this decade's MLB, Dan Thompson. All I think of is Justin Morneau when somebody slides into second and Justin Morneau taking a hit to the head, and then his career was never really the same after that. No. I, am, I am sympathetic to that rule change, but I don't know. That's a tough play. It was, it was a tough play because you, you got to think, if he just reaches out a little bit more with his left hand to try to at least be a little bit closer to the base and make an effort to try to be safe, then I think he maybe gets away with with that could be i still wonder if they would have called it just because of how blatant it was even if he could reach the base it was a pretty aggressive slide there towards the second baseman dan all right well here we go redemption david puckett's picks and we'll see you puckett's picks well the listeners why are you why are you laughing at me there david <laughs> maybe you'll i get, hear the chuckle maybe you'll get redemption it could happen the listeners are obviously going to take buxton and honestly until buxton gets i mean Sorry, excuse me. If Buxton gets injured, I'm pretty sure Buxton will oh. likely be the first off the board for the remainder of the season, Dan. Well, to be fair, even Buxton not playing would get me more points than I got <laughs> for this yes. last series True with Mikel Sano. So. True um, story. I'm going to take Carlos Correa because he is an all-star player. And I believe when, when good teams come to town, your all-star players need to play well. And I think Correa is going to play well. 
I suppose so, Dan Thompson. I'm going to take Jorge Polanco. I think that he's looked pretty strong out of the gate. He has been swinging at some outside stuff that has not been close, but then in those at-bats where he's swinging outside, he seems to come back with a hit. So I'm, I'm confident here that he is going to score me some points, at least more than Correa did for whatever reason this last series. Are you going to go to these games? You know, I wanted to go to the Wednesday game, but I have Friday off work, and so I don't know that I'm going to have the time to take to take a half day on Wednesday. I'm still considering it, though. I might play it by ear with the weather, but I would like to see Kershaw pitch, so that's where I'm struggling a little bit. I mean, we're running out of chances, right? That's what to I'm watch saying. a guy like him pitch. So, uh, All right, Dave, how about you send us out? Yeah, I'd love to. Well, folks, if you like what you hear, please tell a friend. You can follow us on Twitter at Men for the Win and find our Men for the Win Facebook page. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast to be notified when new episodes are available. And if you could leave us a rating, that'd be great. A reminder that our episodes are now available on our YouTube channel. And if you could drop us a like and subscribe, we'd greatly appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening. And as always, go Twins. That'll wrap up another episode of Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Thanks so much for listening. And as always, go Twins. Go Twins.